This week we're wrapping up Carolyn Helsell's Anxious to Talk About It, and we're going to be talking about spiritual practices for race talk. So you may remember that last week we did some theological reflection pretty broadly, and this week we're going to drive that forward into some more concrete practices. The first big idea that Helsell talks about in this chapter is self-compassion. And when we say we're called to love our neighbors as ourselves, we often forget that we actually need to love ourselves. And one very simple way to do that is by acknowledging our emotions. When we talk to other people, we often ask them how they're doing. We try to check in with them. We want to know if they're frustrated or sad or angry. And it's the same with us. When we love other people, we take an interest in their emotional state, and Helsell says that we should do the same thing with ourselves. That might mean that when we have conversations about race and racism, we start by acknowledging the emotions it brings up and being mindful of those. So we might say, I'm feeling irritated or tired or frustrated or exhausted or defensive. And you acknowledge that emotion and you carry that awareness into the conversation. The worst thing you can do in a conversation like this is to charge in without caring for how the other person or other people are doing emotionally, and it's the same for us. That also means acknowledging that you're not the only person going through this experience. We're in dialogue with someone who's also having an emotional experience of the conversation. So if you feel irritated or tired or frustrated or what have you, it helps to remember that there are other people who are probably having the same emotional experience as you. And finally, self-compassion means that we acknowledge that this is a process. Sometimes when we talk about race and racism, we like to imagine that we can get to a point where we're done. Or at the very least, we've done enough to stop worrying about it, and now we can move on to other things. But Helsell says that we should think about this as a process and as a journey in which we're never really done. The important thing is to keep moving and keep working, not to constantly ask ourselves whether we've done enough to move on to something else. Sometimes we think of these conversations like getting an academic degree, where you put in enough time and enough effort, and then you get a diploma, and you don't have to go back and do the same classes over again. But Halsell says that it's really more of a lifelong thing. Once you embrace that you're never truly done, you can focus more on what you're learning and discovering and able to use in the world around you. The second big idea that Halsell talks about in this chapter is the idea of bearing witness. The idea of bearing witness is very important in the New Testament, especially in Luke and Acts. Witness is premised on the idea of seeing something and telling other people about it. So Halsell uses that image to think about how we can bear witness to racism in our world. The first thing to notice here is that witness assumes some level of proximity. If you're a witness to something, you can see it, which means that you're close. So the idea of witness presupposes relationship and being exposed to other people's experiences. Think back to that story of Jarvis Johnson from a couple chapters ago. And even though Halsell didn't know him personally until her dialogue project, 
She was still able to get close to his experience by being an attentive listener and engaging with his narrative. It's difficult to bear witness if you don't want to hear about other people's experiences. The second thing is actually bearing those experiences, taking on some of the weight and responsibility for them. Remember the responsibility from earlier in the book. That means not minimizing them or giving in to an alternate explanation or justification for why something happened. In the case of Jarvis Johnson, it means not asking whether he did something that made the officer pull a gun on him. It's actually taking people's stories seriously on their own terms. I've been thinking about this one in particular recently, because about a month ago, one of our Chinese restaurants in town was tagged with racist graffiti. And I had a conversation with someone not long after that, someone who I respect, who said that it wasn't a big deal because it was probably just a teenager who did it. This was offered without any evidence or support or any sense of claim that they had some knowledge of this. It was just a sort of guess. And that's the kind of minimizing that Halsell is talking about here. That where we see something that makes us uncomfortable, and instead of sitting with our discomfort with it, we try to explain it away, instead of acknowledging the feeling that it creates in us. And bearing witness also means communicating to other people what we've heard. When you're a witness, it doesn't mean you're getting creative and making up stories. It just means telling other people about what we've heard. Not long ago, one of our members mentioned to me that a healthcare aide they know finds it really frustrating to come to work in Wyckoff because they get pulled over so much. And I won't say who the person was, but it made me think about what gets left out of our conversations about what our community is. Who are the voices that get a say in our narratives And who are the voices that we find it easiest to ignore? The last thing Helsel talks about in this chapter is race in the Bible. And she makes a point that is super important, and I want to highlight it and put it in bold with flashing lights around it. The people who wrote the Bible did not have an understanding of race, racism, racialized identities that we have today. The way we understand race today comes from the period of colonization in the so-called New World and the erroneous belief that people had to be categorized according to their skin color. So if race isn't in the Bible, race isn't in the Bible, basketball isn't in the Bible, lots of things aren't in the Bible because they came later, then why should we talk about racism in scripture? And Halsell says that it's because scripture has been used to legitimize racist beliefs and practices. It was used by imperial powers to justify the subjugation of native populations. It was used to justify chattel slavery in the U.S. It is continually used to justify sort of patronizing attempts at charity to deal with racial injustice. So if we never speak about race in the Bible, we're letting those voices hold sway and remain more or less unchecked. And more importantly, just because the Bible doesn't deal with race in a systemic way, its authors talked about themes that are related to our own work around inequities and injustice. It would be absurd to say that the prophets like Jeremiah and Amos or Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, have nothing to say to us about racial injustice. 
That's it for this week and for the book. So to wrap up, let me give you three more questions to think about. This first one is how do you think you can bear witness in your own community? And the second one is what are some of the emotions that have been raised in you while reading this book? And the third one is what Bible passage, story, or image speaks to you most deeply about racial injustice? <laughs>